Good evening. Happy Wednesday. Of course, it's hump day. I'm your host, Alan M. Newman Jr. And welcome to She Said What. Um, before I introduce our two lovely guests today, yes, we have two lovely queens on here instead of our typical one. So I'm looking forward to having that. But to give you a synopsis for those who are tuning in for the first time here on She Said What or you're watching the replay, the focus on She Said What is to have our melodated queens to come on here. What they do is we have um, topics that we discuss just to be candid on what we can do to be better in our community as a black community. Um, I'm looking forward to the dialogue that we are going to have. Um, and like I said, I have the lovely Kia and also Marquita who is with us on today. Ladies, I do appreciate you guys being here. I'm looking forward to the dialogue and the back and forth that we're going to have on tonight. And with that being said, let's get started on She Said What. Once again, welcome back to She Said What. Ladies, ladies, I appreciate you guys being on here with us for this hour. Looking forward to the uh, dialogue that we're going to have. Um, but before we start, how are you ladies doing on this week? I'm doing pretty good. Awesome, awesome. Good to hear, good to hear. So we're going to dive right I'm into wonderful. it. All right, Kia, that's good, that's good. What we're going to do now, we're going to dive right into our conversation. One of the first topics we have is the upbringing within the household. So, of course, you know, the household is always a big discussion when it comes to the Black community, um, especially when it comes to how we were raised individually um, and collectively. Um, so what I'll do is uh, for Kia, when it comes to upbringing within the household, as a Black woman, how did your upbringing geared you to become the woman that you are today? Um, especially in the times that we're dealing with. Mm. My, my upbringing, well, let me say this. I was raised by a single mother and um, uh, I had a holiday dad. You know, we went to see him on the holidays. But even when we went to see him on the holidays, he usually was at work. So I was with my stepmom. So I watched a lot of strong women go above and beyond to make sure that life went accordingly. Like once, uh, and for me, that just made me say um, to develop a certain culture from my family and how my kids were going to be raised. And once I, once I established that, I stuck to that by any means necessary. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. And we'll, we'll get so back like to the last me. part you were saying especially when it comes to um, being raised in a single parent household. Miss um, Nappy Roots, same question for you. <laughs> All right, so uh, Nappy Dreamer. But um, the way that we grew up in my home, um, I grew up in a two-parent house, mom and dad, both still you know, together and still doing their thing. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I actually grew up very, very well, deeply rooted in the church. And um, so there were certain 
biblical standards they required us to live up to as well as expectations um, for how you present yourself. So I grew up with really, really, really involved. Like, so me, I was the kid who complained, like, no, they're always there. Like parent-teacher meetings, they didn't miss those. You know, after school plays, they were always there. And so um, I was super submerged in activity with my parents and things like that. So um, upbringing in my house was definitely, I would say, that's one thing that links us is the difference with that, um, how I came up in my house. So, yeah. So interesting, especially coming up in a Christian household, when you look at the way you navigate life now from what you saw growing up, um, do you see a lot of correlations with how you maneuver now? Or do you see that there's a lot of things you took away from there that you're like, I'm going to apply this, but I'm not going to apply this part. Um, when it came up to after moving out and after your upbringing in a, in a Christian household? Oh, absolutely. When I grew up and got out of my parents' house, I was the complete polar opposite of all that they wanted um, me to do. So I pretty much was like, I'm going to the club. We turning up. We partying. I am not, when I say not hanging around anywhere for too long, nope. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, if I get to church on Sunday, it will not be on time. <laughs> if, and we're going to say if I get there. Okay. <laughs> so I was that person. Like I went, I mean, I was like, let's go <laughs> when I got out. Um, and I say I got out like I spent, I did a sentence or something, but yeah, <laughs> when I got on my own, it was definitely, um, I would say total night and day compared to their expectations. Mm -hmm. Um, but then as I got older and I hit those good thirties, okay. And I started realizing, you know, soon there'll be more years behind me than ahead of me. That's when I was like, all right, well, let me tighten it up a little bit. And I started to, you know, basically they say that he'll, you'll return back home and it's true. Mm -hmm. You won't depart too far. So mm -hmm. with that, I ended up coming back and just kind of uh, uh, in incorporating more of what I was taught when I was younger, um, such as I don't take a trip nowhere without praying before I hit the road. Mm -hmm. That's a good example. <laughs> I won't go anywhere. I won't go anywhere far at all without praying before I hit the road and when I get to where I'm going. So that's definitely something that I continued on with um, as an adult. Okay. Okay. Now, awesome. Now, being with that said, um, we did we did lose one of our guests. Hopefully, we'll be able to get her back on. Um, get Kia back. Oh, and there she is. <laughs> now, with you, with you saying like with the Christian household, and then with even with Kia being raised in a single parent household, um, for Kia, with you as you've matured, I'll make that thing with your upbringing um, in a single parent household, what are the things that you carried from that into the relationship and family that you have today um, when it comes to upbringing in the household for you personally? Uh, can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. So uh, the biggest, Okay, I think we lost her again, but we'll definitely um, get back with her when she comes back in here. So then I'll swing it to you. Um, I know right now you and your husband do not have kids yet, but have you guys gave thought about that, about bringing up a um, family under you? Or are you guys like, you know what, we're good um, at this time, so we're good at doing our thing. 
um, living life to the fullest when it comes to upbringing for your household? That's the million dollar question. <laughs> if I have any family viewing right now, they are so happy you asked that question. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, when I say a closed door to that conversation, but um, anywho, yes, we have talked about um, having children and how we would bring them up and things like that. We do discuss um, in pretty good detail how we would do certain things, certain ways. Um, he knows my faith is very important to me and in us being together, faith has become part of his life, too. So he knows for a fact our kids are definitely going to grow up in some form of church. Okay. So okay. our kids will definitely have that structure, that background. And that's something that was, I, I don't want to say it like in a jerky kind of way, um, not negotiable, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we definitely came to that saying, there you go, friend. We definitely came to that, um, that conclusion together. That was a, that's definitely going to be a part of our, you know, raising of our kids. Okay. And, and even with that, I do have another question then, because you're looking at, especially with, pre-COVID and then dealing with a COVID society as of right now, when it comes to the different upbringing from when we were kids to how people handle their children now, when you think about the possibility of raising your own little ones, how much of the tools from when you was a child, especially in a Black household? I know what you're asking. <laughs> Are he's, you trying to, he's trying to ask me if I'm going to whoop my kids. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just saying. <laughs> what is it from oh, your man. childhood that you're going to bring into when you eventually have children? Or what are some things that you wouldn't bring from your childhood into raising your children? Which may kind of put you on the spot, especially if you have friends and family watching but i think it's interesting to talk about that because i know for i me, like what you're doing here <laughs> for me i know there's a lot of things that i'm i'm going to leave from my childhood from the way i was raised and then there's things that i'm going to bring when i have children from my childhood so i always feel like it's a unique perspective to kind of hear the things you would bring and the things that you would leave out okay um I still only heard, are you going to whoop your kids? That's not, that's not, I guess that's not where we're going. So I won't go there. Um, so that, anyway, that could be a part um, of it. That could be a part of it. If you was getting whoopings and you're like, I'm not going to bring it. That could be a part of it. But I know there's other routes that we had with the way we dealt with our kids when it came to dating and interacting and all that kind of stuff. So. Why she put that on the screen? <laughs> All right, so let me go on and answer the question on the screen, apparently. So um, I don't plan on whooping my kids. So no, I won't be whooping my kids. They might get chin-checked every now and again. But I don't plan on whooping my kids, no. I don't plan on whooping them. Um, but as far as in my house, we go to church, you're coming to church. Mm -hmm. Yes, but with some major adjustments. Um, I understood the importance of going to church as I started getting older. Mm -hmm. I understood, um, like I would get more information on the reasons and stuff like that. You know, we go to Sunday school, Bible study, you know, um, purity band, YPWW, we go to all of that stuff. Right. Okay. But I feel like when I was smaller, I understood the idea of it, but I didn't understand the why of it. 
Mm-hmm. So a change in my house would be not just because you in my house, we go to church. It will be we're going to church and this is why we go to church or why mm-hmm. we do what we do. Like the question of but why is not an issue, won't be an issue for me. Like the but how come or can we do something different? I'm going to explain to this joker why we're not doing this thing you wanted mm-hmm. to do. You know, and mm-hmm. why we're going this way, I won't. I definitely will not carry that whole aspect of, you know, we don't ask the question. You know what I mean? We don't question it. We just go with it. I'm not going to take that. I won't take that approach. Okay. Okay. Awesome, Miss Kia. Same question for you, especially coming from a single parent household mm-hmm. and now having a family. What are tools that you implemented from that that you brought over? Or what are tools that you were like, we're going to leave that there, and this is how I'm going to develop my family when it comes to this? Um, One of the biggest takeaways from the way my mother raised us was, like, the stick together. So I have five kids, and my kids know that, like, you're supposed to stick together. You don't let nobody come between y'all and all of that. So that is a big, big thing that, like, family first and take care of your siblings that I have very much so instilled in my children the way my mother instilled in us. Now, a lot of a lot of other things, just my husband and I created a culture and we came to an agreement of how we were going to raise our families because he had things from his family that he thought was out when I had things and we had disagreements. So it came to a point where we just had to be like, okay, um, we're going to teach our children financial responsibility early our children will have responsibilities such as chores and no i'm not paying you to do something you're supposed to do but there's also bonus chores that you can get paid for but things that i would pay somebody else to do like wash the car i'll pay you for that but making your bed and cleaning your room brushing your teeth um (laughs) no no i'm not paying you for that so those are like some of the things like I, I feel like it's not that big of a difference, but it, my delivery and the way that I want my children, like um, Marquita said, that understanding, like it's okay to ask why, and I and even if they don't ask why, and I feel that urge, like I need to explain that a little more, mm-hmm. I will, because at the end of the day, your kids are gonna grow up and be adults, and hopefully you've instilled in them how to be an adult. <laughs> You missed the did you whoop your kids question. It was on the screen, but <laughs> there go right there. there okay, so it's funny because my husband and I just had a real heated discussion about this whooping the kids. Now, okay. honestly, I became a I became a parent at 17. So I became a parent very early. So I in the beginning, yes, I just did exactly as my mama did. My poor first child, yes, she took all the whoopings for everybody else. Oh, <laughs> but there was a point, it was a point with her that I realized. Like, if I keep whooping her, she's going to be more fearful to come talk to me rather than me doing anything other than that. So I started to say, like, you know, let's talk to them. Let's punish them. I'm notorious for taking away every wire in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, y'all going to be some puzzle-making people today. (laughs) (laughs) Not puzzlers. So I, 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 in hindsight, like if, if I was to become a parent now where I'm at right now, no, I wouldn't whip my kids. Mm-hmm. 
and, but I do always say those little ones every now and then a little chin check because there's no way else to get this little two year old to understand if you touch this stove it's hot other than to either let them burn itself or pluck them on the knuckles. So that makes sense. And speaking of children, we're going to actually go straight into our next topic, which is raising children. Are we still a part of the, a village? So, of course, you know, our entire history and culture have always been a village helps raise a child. And of course, as times have changed, you've noticed where we don't really live to that as much as our parents did when we were growing up. So when it comes to raising your children, um, do you feel like the black community is still a part of a village or do you believe, um, and I'll start with you, uh, Kia, do you believe we have fell away from that culture of a village raising our children? Because now you have to be careful because this individual may whip your children, but because you don't, it's like you need to be careful with who you allow to integrate themselves with dealing and discipline with your children. So what are your thoughts and views on that? Um, I believe that for me personally, I feel like I have a village just because people know how I am and anybody who's affiliated with me, if they caught my kids somewhere out of line, either I'm getting a video phone call or you know, I my kids are too big to be laying hands on. You might they might end up beating you up. So. <laughs> but when they were smaller, man, my daughter has this joke. I was very much low key a cult. That's for, the very, for that very reason because I didn't trust people, and if the wrong person put their hands on my child, I might have not been there to raise my children mm -hmm. so when they were smaller like i no no nobody was around us it was just us you know we went to church they went to dance we went mm -hmm. we stayed home when i had to go somewhere it was you better not open this door answer that door or the phone until i get back i will leave them by themselves before i will leave them with somebody else just because of the differences and like nowadays what village we can't even be village enough to support each other's businesses, let alone be village enough to help raise somebody else's kids. I would love for us to get back on that same page like it used to be. But mm -hmm. now, you know, you got so many differences in how people are raising their children. I, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think it's hard. Mm -hmm. I think it should be, but I think it's harder now. Okay, okay. I'm, and we're going to touch on that on why you think it's hard, but I want to hear from Marquita her answer in regards to it. About the village? Well, I mm -hmm. am part of the village. So you got a, you got a huge lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I play I play part of um I am the village they're referencing. But no, I don't I don't feel as though the village is still as existent or present as it was when I was growing up. That's a fact. Um if it's not for the reason of you have to protect your kids at all costs. It's for the reason of, I'm sorry, ooh, people are not, non well, melanated people don't want to um, support one another in their endeavors or they feel like, well, you had all them kids, you need to take care of them kids you had, you know? So that's something that melanated people are really struggling with in that aspect present day. Because I know Lakeisha got like seven kids and you don't want her to be sending them everywhere. But it's um the village definitely has fallen apart but as far as myself um my friend knows i'm there i'm 10 toes down if she need me and mm -hmm. um when it comes down to my nieces and nephews same deal 
So I don't, my God, children, all of them, like if I have anything to say or do about it, nobody's lacking. So um, as far as my view of the village, I take my role very seriously Mm -hmm. as part of the village. But as a people, we do struggle with that because of this judgmental mentality that everybody is um, struggling with. So wanting to judge or be worried about what other people got going on and being there to help them when people are going wrong. (laughs) So if they're struggling, we're not looking to help them. We're looking to talk about them. And that's that's a whole other thing. Yeah. And and it's it's true because it's very concerning when you think about it, because we live in a time now. If a black man or black woman, black girl, black boy is killed. The first thing everybody in the community want to be, why didn't nobody watch? Why didn't nobody have her back? Why didn't nobody this, this, and this? And when you don't have the trust factor and you've set your children to, like Miss Kia said, she didn't really trust anybody outside of her circle because realistically the way the times are right now it is hard to trust outsiders with your children so if i'm not trusting outsiders with my kids and i'm letting my kids know when you're out here you can't trust certain people the protection aspect kind of dissolves in the black community because now it's a lot of well it's not my responsibility that's not my child that's not my wife that's not my daughter that's not my mother so it's not my my concern it kind of breaks the whole dynamic of being a village because now nobody's protecting nobody because they feel like it's not their responsibility. Now, when we deal with that, what are ways that you think we can do in the community to help shore that up and to at least be able to mend it um, in regards to the family and the village? And like the comment up here, we're always ready to react and prevent, which is always the case. As soon as someone probably can die right now, and get shot by an officer or something, an entire black community wants to get up and protest about that, but nobody was doing anything to prevent whatever happened that led to that life being being lost or anything like that. Um, so what are some steps, ladies, that you guys think we could take in the community to help mend it, if it is mendable? Because some people may feel like it can't be mended at all, so. When you said, um you said like okay i'm trying to make it make sense in my head mm-hmm. that when we watch like say we watching something happen like what could we have done to prevent it you mean like with the whole if i see your kid acting out of line i should check them versus me just talking about it and leaving it alone who because mm, that's a sticky situation because you don't know how how people have been raising their kids so I'm a share. I'm a share. Okay. So, um, I'm an educator and, um, I teach cosmetology to adults. These are young adults. So they barely adults. Um, and one of the things like, and, and this is not kids, but this is different teachers with their group of students. Right. 
And I'm the type, if I see you doing something wrong, I'm saying something. If we all know the rules is to wear a uniform, not have a scarf on, not do that. I don't care whose student it is. I'm going to be like, you know, you're not supposed to have that on. What I found, though, was some teachers had a problem with you saying something to their students. So this is the same thing. It's not really raising children, but it's, it's that same you know, concept of these are my kids or these are my students and you're not allowed to say nothing. Now, me, wow. if, if you haven't figured it out, I still didn't care. So <laughs> <laughs> if you're doing wrong and I catch you, I'm going to say something. And then I'm going to go tell your teacher that I said something to you and I don't care about your attitude or hers. And I'm the same way with people's children. If you don't want me to say anything or check your child, I'm not going to put my hands on your child, but your child mm -hmm. will probably be afraid of me. <laughs> because they think... I just make sure they they not too sure if I'm going to hit them or not. <laughs> or leave them yes. guessing. It's but, a certain way sometimes you got to talk to these jokers. But some people have a problem with that. Like if I'm babysitting little Johnny and then I tell little Johnny, if you don't sit down before I knock your teeth out, then little Johnny go home and tell his mama, Miss Kia said she was going to knock my teeth out. If his mama come to me, I'm going to say now you and Johnny can have matching missing teeth. Because Johnny was jumping on my couch. <laughs> but Listen, what I, that's not Johnny teeth out. No, I ain't gonna knock Johnny teeth out, but Johnny need to know, need to feel like I can at some point. <laughs> so true, so true. <laughs> but um like like how you were saying, you never know how people brought their kids up. Um, I'll go ahead and give an example. You know, you've dealt with people who have had kids who are doing different. There it goes. We've had um, kids who they behave um, a bit outlandishly. Let's say it that way. Mm -hmm. All right. The child yes. is a bit extra. All right. Over the top. There we go, if you will. And addressing this child is counterproductive because the parent of said child mm -hmm. allows the child's head to spin around like the exorcist. Okay, who am I? You both can leave my house. <laughs> and, and neither of you are welcome in the future. So that's that's also a depiction of what's happening to the village too. Because mm -hmm. I am quick to pack up and move out of the village that you, you know, started if mm -hmm. that is the case. I have no problem packing up mm -hmm. and getting out because general respect is standard. Like, I could see where you're worried about, oh, well, do you have your kid, you let your kid chew with their mouth open or not? Yeah, okay, we get it. Putting your elbows on the table could be rude. That's not what I'm talking about. Genuine mm -hmm. respect is yeah. for everyone. So mm -hmm. with that, if your child, as Kia used the um, example of jumping on the couch, right? But, like, just imagine I'm out in public and little Jimmy, little, little Timmy, is touching stuff in a store. It's glass. Mm -hmm. You see the big you break you by sign. Little Timmy can't read, right? Mm -hmm. And you tell little Timmy, don't do that. Well, little Timmy doesn't respond because little Timmy doesn't respect his parents. And his parents allow little Timmy to live freely. Well, mm -hmm. I, if I'm in the store with little Timmy, I'm grabbing little Timmy's shirt and I'm going to pull little Timmy as close to me as possible. No, I'm not mm -hmm. going to put my hands on little Timmy, but I will startle mm -hmm. him just enough to know that that's not okay. Do not do that. But yeah, where the village struggles is with the parents who 
feel like Timmy wasn't wrong. He's a child. Yeah. He's curious. That's where you run into the issues. And, then and before we go to our- I'm, I'm nobody's parent. So if I'm, since mm-hmm. I'm nobody's parent, then I have nothing to say. I'm done. And I'm serious. <laughs> I, I'm for real. I shared a story one time where somebody said, um, somebody asked me for change one time. And I was like, I didn't have change. And she's talking about some, oh, I forgot you don't have kids. What does change have to do with having kids? <laughs> That's so interesting. And That's I, the same person. I said something to them. I was like, yeah, it's pretty early in the day. Oh, I forgot you don't have kids, girl. It's not early. Just because your child had to be to school at 6 a.m. does not mean 8 a.m. is not still early. Okay? Like, <laughs> your day just started earlier than mine because I don't handle kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And before we go to our commercial break, it's interesting that you said that because my I was going to ask, is it the way parents are teaching their ch- kids respect? Because remember, when we were growing up, I know I can definitely speak for myself. Whenever there was an older person around, they said something. I listened because of how I was raised. Yeah. Now it's different where parents are like, little Johnny, that no one can tell you what to do unless it's me. And now little Johnny takes that out into society, not realizing there's rules that you have to abide and live by. And Johnny's like, yeah, no, mom told me I don't got to listen to nobody. The next thing you know, mm-hmm. little Johnny jacked up next to a police car because and the teacher Johnny was like, well, I got to deal with this. Listen, exactly, like, Kevin, exactly. like Kevin Hart said, my mama told me to tell you <laughs> to mind your own. Remember that? That's what's happening nowadays, okay? That's yeah. what's happening. It's like, yeah. your mama told me to tell you to mind your bleep, 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 you know? And that's, exactly. what's, that's what's happening. And <laughs> Sorry. No, you're yeah. good. And these kids will tell you verbatim what their mama told you, no matter how disrespectful it's going to come off or no matter how disrespectful it is. It, since mom said to do it, we going to do it. Um, now, with that being said, uh, for those who are listening here on She Said What, we're about to go to a quick commercial break. Then we'll come back with these lovely ladies for the conclusion of She Said What. Where you get your hip hop from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up? This tribal trigger trench in the building. You already know. Nip, 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 nip. Naughty. Hey. Red Man is in the building, of course. Jersey's finest, all about them bars, marijuana smoker. Hey, PSA announcement. I need everybody go support. That's right, support my fucking state, my city. Heritage, hip hop. A New Jersey media source that celebrates New Jersey hip-hop worldwide. Facts. Please subscribe to Heritage Hip-Hop on social media. That is Heritage Hip-Hop on social media. What up, y'all, man? It's your boy Do It All, Dupre Kelly, right here on Heritage Hip-Hop, man. Look, man, let me tell you something. Make sure you support Heritage Hip-Hop because without these brothers bringing you hip-hop, we're not going to stay informed, man, the way that we need to stay informed, man. And they're not just giving you hip-hop, man. They're giving you the heritage of hip-hop right here, man. Yo, Karev, I see you. Heritage hip-hop, man. Let's do it. It ain't nothing like heritage hip-hop. Welcome back to She Said What? We just had a very interesting conversation when it comes to a family and children and the village. I feel like that's a topic that could be talked on for a a bit longer just because of the dynamics 
um, when it comes to raising your family and raising your ch children. Um, and actually, someone just commented, Stephanie said, the village died when we stopped subscribing to the same moral code and values. Absolutely. I think that is real, real true. Because our moral codes, oh, for a fact, in the Black community, the moral codes and values have definitely went north, south, east, and west. Um, yeah. Because it used to be, for when we was growing up, Kia's, Kia mom probably had her on this side of the state, and I was on this side of the state, but if you brought us together nine times out of 10, both of us was probably taught the same thing, just differently, and we moved accordingly. Nowadays, there were standards. if Jimmy was raised on the South side and Naomi was raised on the North side, you bring them together. Naomi knows that how she's supposed to act in front of adults and in front of company. Little Johnny over here like, oh, company's here, I'm about to act a plum fool because that's the way my mom has raised me. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That's a fact. And um, even you can see it with my nieces and nephews when they come to visit. Um, I have one niece in particular who spent far more time with me than any of the rest of them. But let them jokers come to my house. She gonna look at me and be like, uh, uh. Auntie said, don't do that. Don't do it. Do not do that. You do not want to do that. You know. And it's like a standard. She knows what will and won't cut it. You know what I mean? So she is quick to let them know. Get your life together. You get what I mean? She is quick to let them know to get their life together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And I, I think um, we'll touch on one more part before we go to our discussion on being black in corporate America. Do you think, because I know when we was growing up, it was always looked at if you had a two parent home, you had the bigger advantage. That's what it was looked at when we was younger. Mm -hmm. Now, for me, and y'all can let me know how y'all feel. I feel like in today's society, Necessary, the two-parent home isn't guaranteeing that your child is going to be dressed right, dressed. And it's not so much of, oh, if you're a single parent, you're not doing it right. Because I'm seeing single parents who kids are dressed right, dressed, and kids with both parents that are seeds of the spawns of Satan. Mm -hmm. So when it, when it comes to that, what do you think has made that dynamic change from when we was younger to how it is now, where it seems more like single parents are more up to it on their kids than two-parent homes. I honestly feel like that was just a false belief we had in the Black community. Because parent kids that was getting raised in a single-parent home were had the same advantages, disadvantages as growing up in a, a two-parent home. Um, I don't know. Like I never, I grew up in a single parent home and I never felt slighted in any way, but being as though I never was in a two parent home, maybe I don't know the difference, but now my kids are raised in a two parent home, but I honestly, I don't know. I don't know if they feel more advantaged than like maybe their friends who weren't. Well, most of my kids friends grew up in two parent homes too. I don't know. But I think it was it was just a it was just a it was a false thing that trickled over into I think it's still that same thing with women like you got to have a man. So if you had a man, then you had it all going on. So you felt as though the kids was better. Your finances is better. Da, 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 da. And half the time it wasn't. It just mm -hmm. wasn't talked about. <laughs> mm -hmm. That's a fact. That's a fact. <laughs> I can occur. I can concur with that. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of too much that 
the kids when I was in school who were raised with one parent versus me having both. Like my parents, one or the other was always at everything. I think that was the only difference between me and any of my friends who were raised by one parent. It's like my parents, either my mom or my dad, if my dad was busy, mom was there. If mom was busy, dad was there. It was every now and again, they would wow the audience and both show up. But as far as the other kids, (laughs) listen, as far as the other kids that um, when I was in school, that was probably the only thing. Like if it was my um, birthday when I was a kid or a special event in class when I was a kid and it was like, oh, your parents can bring something to school. Like my parents would bring things, but then it'd be like the kid who's was being raised by the single mom, she would be sad sometimes because her mom might run by and drop the cupcakes off at the kid at the front because she had to go. But the cupcakes were still there. And to me, I was like, Joker, you still got cupcakes. You know? <laughs> but, but that was that was probably the only real change I saw. And then to the kids who were raised by single parents, um, a lot of times they were at home by themselves. I saw that quite a bit. But I can't really think of a major advantage because to me, both my parents showing up at school was not an advantage. But yeah, um, it was like the other one going to (laughs) see. Right. Right. And so it's just like I'm like, shoot, your parents don't be coming up here. My dad used to wear dress clothes everywhere. So, again, that was not an advantage to me. Mm-hmm. I yeah. and my, my mom was super mom so she was at everything she was other people's single mom too my mom used to pick up I report cards my friends report cards for all the parents who couldn't be there my mom was the single mom for the community my mom was super mom she was at everything I can't think of nothing my mom wasn't at like I was like oh I'm sad she not gonna be here for my birthday I'm sad about that but that's mm-hmm. it She's usually there. She always there to this day. <laughs> she, she is there for extra people too, just for the record. Shoot, if anything, I got mad. I was sharing my mama. Get your own mama. <laughs> <laughs> See that, that? No, go go ahead. No, but that's a, a big difference as far as the village from then to now, though, because yeah. how many parents are picking up kids' report cards? How many parents are making sure that the kid got on the bus or went to where they were supposed to go? Like you do, because that's that's who you are. But like, how many parents have that as their general rule of thumb? Like, I see Lajea walking down the street. I don't want somebody to get to her or bother her. I'm going to make sure she gets home. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, it doesn't happen like that nowadays. Or if there is a parent who's willing to go above and beyond, then the rec- the parent receiving the support is like, uh uh-uh, uh, why did you follow my daughter to the house? Or why did you follow mm-hmm. my son? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I get that. Um, and Todd, thanks for the comment. Todd said, being raised by one parent at times, I felt the way. My mom had a long commute and we would go to my cousin's, which was a two parent household. So I saw the difference daily. However, sometimes <laughs> the one, yeah, that's, that's a fact. Um, I know I grew up in a two parent home, but I remember. I think the only thing I ever heard from my friends who were who had was being raised by a single a single parent household was I a friend of mine told me the advantage I had was I saw both my parents um, and he gave his story with the difference was for him. His mom um, was working two jobs. So he was saying when they got home at four o'clock, they didn't come home 
to snacks on the table, television waiting for them before you start school work, and a, a meal on the table. My mom did. My mom did that. But but here's the disclaimer: my mom was not working. She did not have to work. So yeah. my sister and I we didn't have to catch the school bus because mom came and picked us up. So when we got home at four o'clock. We had our little snack and she got ready for dinner. And I used to have friends uh-huh. say that wasn't something that they had. <laughs> get so it, I Mama had, Newman. Get it, Mama Newman. Mama <laughs> Newman. So I had a friend who legit was like, he comes home at four o'clock. It's to make food for him and his younger siblings because he knows his mom is getting ready to come off from her first job. He knows the first thing she's going to do, kiss them, say hello, go to bed. So she's ready to get up at 11 to go to her next job. So he's, he's not used to waking up to mom cooking breakfast for them and making their lunches for them to take to school or dad come to certain because everything was on mom and she had to kind of delegate for him to be like the little adult in the house in her stead. So um, it's making me think maybe because my mom was a single parent. She didn't do those things like the snacks on the table after school. And I just didn't either. <laughs> You you want to snack it in there? God. But but Kia, the funny thing, you are absolutely right. Cause I laugh now, and I remember I was like, you know what? If I had the opportunity to have some little, oh babies, gosh, they might. I might be surprised if their mother don't have them a snack because I'm used to it. Cause you used like, to it. I don't get that. So why would they get it? Like I don't get it. So. It make it makes sense when you're not seeing certain things, you can't miss what you never had. Yeah. Oh my god. That's how I feel. <laughs> and hey, that all my kids could burn. Oh. They know how to throw down now. They good cooks. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh, listen, I didn't come home to snacks either, but <laughs> um but my mom my mom did cook. She cooked. Um, she cooked quite a bit. I just after school stuff. Child, take a child and get something to eat if you want it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Messing up my makeup, friend. Awesome with that. Um, what we're gonna do is shift gears. Um, we're gonna go towards being black in corporate America. Um, now I know I work in a um, Fortune 500 company in corporate America. And it's definitely an interesting perspective being a black um, man and just being black in corporate America, just seeing how they do everything different um, with how they maneuver. So for you ladies, um, what has been y'all experience in the corporate America as black women um, for you guys? And we'll start with Miss Kia. Mm. I don't know why you started with me. Okay, so <laughs> my relationship with corporate America is very short because I figured it wasn't for me, so mm-hmm. I have my own business. <laughs> but we'll talk about that short period of time I didn't spend in corporate America. Um, so, like I said, I taught cosmetology. So we already, just the cosmetology department alone was already its own minority. Mm-hmm. So then being on black on top of that, because, you know, it's always like 
oh, oh, they do hair. Oh, they do hair and nails and stuff. So it's almost like this. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's the little that's the little hair program, you know? And even like when we would come to meetings because we are who we are, you know, hair be laid, makeup done. They would say little slack, slick stuff like, oh, I could always spot the cosmetology teachers. Like, what? what is that? <laughs> but then it was always like the whole, when they realized how intelligent we were, that we're not just hairdressers. It was almost like this shock of, oh, wow, she really knows how to write an email. Oh look, her punctuation and grammar is actually correct. Like, what did what did you right think? There, there and there. <laughs> yeah, it may, it makes you want to go. Like, well, what did you think? How did you think I had this job? <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because I can curl some hair real pretty. No, it's a lot more than that. <laughs> but um, I do. I my husband right now is in corporate America, and um, he's seeing the whole being the token black person i told him Ooh. the other day i said you know what we need to start acting like we stupid at work since they think we stupid we might as well just go on along with it and and because he does have another co-worker who i say he got it all figured out he played dumb don't nobody ask him to do nothing extra he just go in there he do his job and he go home but i told my husband you around here wanting to be uh the fix-it king and i could do this and let me do that so now what's happening is he's being pressured to train somebody else to do what this system that he developed. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, why? So you can replace me with this less melanated person. You there want me, is. you want me to train Casper so Casper can take my spot. Now I'm good. I'm good on all of that. Did she call her, <laughs> did she say Casper? Non-melanated, friend. Non-melanated. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. And now, non-melanated and dumb, you Casper. <laughs> you have nothing. But let me touch on what she's saying about with her husband, because that is very true. I remember at my job, we had a non-melanated person who she knew how to trigger the white tears to get her way. She would do the bare minimum and not be asked to do anything. And I'm sitting there working myself to the bone, trying to make mm -hmm. sure I see I do. And one day, someone um, that I work with was like, Alan, don't show her nothing. She was like, if they ask you to train her, tell her she need to figure it out like you figured it out. You had to learn that stuff by yourself. And I was yep. like, nah, nah, that's not how. He was like, I'm telling you, because mm -hmm. if you see the ins and outs and another position pops up, they gonna look at her before they look at you, even though she didn't know that stuff. And yeah. lo and behold, I, I didn't train her. So she sat there stumbling and bumbling throughout our job. A position got put up. Y'all know that Mickey Ficky applied and still got the job? Yeah, Did absolutely. Mickey Ficky, yes. Nah, yeah. And I was like, oh, so that's the game we playing, which I feel like that's the toughest thing in corporate America for for black people, yeah, there, and, and it's really tough when you're to play the game, yeah. And if you play the game and you don't win, well, you didn't play the game right. No, y'all literally told me if I dot my eyes, if yes, sir, master, and yes, sir, master, and yes, sir, master, they're gonna give you that position that you're trying to get to. And what I have learned is if they know you're gonna bust your butt regardless, they are not going to promote they're not gonna get it. Nope. Like, we can leave you here because regardless, you're still going to give us 120% of your time if we promote you or not. And we just going to use that while we're letting lesser people come up and take positions that they are not qualified for.
Yep. That's how I look. Mm. Well, with me being black in corporate America, I kind of play the game. I'm going to just be real. Like, I'll come in, I'll do the extra. But then when I realize that, you know, not really realize, I kind of know that I'm not going to get anywhere. What I do is I just pull it away. And then when I pulled it away, I got the next job. I applied for it again and got it. Go into that next role, do a little extra. Right now, the role I'm in, I know I need to sit out here for a couple of years. So as of right now, I'm chilling. And then sometime around next year, I'm going to do a little extra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that way I can give them the extra, give them the extra, give them the extra, and then snatch it away. And now I'm going to apply for the next job. And I just kind of play the game. I I play the game. They've set it up as a game, play the game. And um, But as far as genuine opportunities, no. I've created every opportunity for myself. Like the role might have been there, but I did the actual work, like took extra courses and went to set um, seminars and things like that to build up my resume. So where there's no, what's your rationale behind not giving me the position? I have all of the qualifications and some. So mm-hmm. what's the rationale behind it? So for me in corporate America, um, with my primary form of income coming out of corporate America, and I'm like, I've reached the corporate sector of the company I work for. So it's like, now it's it's game time, it's go time. I feel like there's more pressure because the people, the further up I've gotten, the less people look like me. Oh yeah. So dealing with not so many people looking like me and, um, that makes it hard to find that friendly face, for lack of better words, um, to find that person who you can really just like, oh, they look like I could reach out to them and talk to them. Um, it's that it gets less and less the further you grow. The further you grow, it definitely gets less and less. And then it becomes, like I said, I'm at a point now in my career where it's just really about playing the game. It's about playing the game. You set the game up, I'm going to play it and I'm pretty good at it. Okay, okay. So we got one play the game. We have one who said bump corporate America. I'm I'm gonna do my own thing, which I definitely can appreciate that aspect. Um right. when you think about the impact that black women are having when it comes to career based, especially entrepreneurship, I can definitely appreciate that. Starting up your own business, working for you compared to working for somebody else. Um, I've always said punching another man's clock to me is not the not a flex it's not a flex to me me helping one thing my dad used to tell me is what i'm not about to do is help you send johnny to school and i can't send my kids to school because i'm sitting here punching the clock giving you all this money um yes corporate america is definitely like being in big brother's house that that is actually a good way to um put that that's that's exactly what it's like um and you do have to strategize while removing your emotions, which of course, you know, one thing they're quick to say about black people, we're overly emotional. I can't tell you time and time again, when I've had meetings with leadership about reps under us, and if, when it's a black individual, they're too emotional, they need to take their feelings out, they need to do this, but yet you have crying Susie, the minute she can't get her way, she crying, walking off the job, and y'all talking about, oh, she'll come back next week. And we, I literally had this happen one time. The person couldn't, did not get her way. She got mad. She left, like straight left, just left. Didn't tell nobody, just walked off. And our boss was like, yeah, she'll be back on Monday. And I looked at him, I said, are you serious? 
because if that would have been me, you would have said job abandonment and I yeah. would be for another job. And, and, and that's where our emotion comes from. Exactly. <laughs> I had no emotions until you char- until you started treating me unfairly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And what made it worse is it was a brother. My boss was a brother. And, mm-hmm. his, and he his, wasn't your brother. Oh, yeah. I learned after that. This was his response when I said it to him. Well, Alan, I know that you can handle certain things that that person can't handle. Sir, no, sir. No, sir. No, sir. That's not don't, what we're doing. Don't That's patronize not what me. We're doing. Do not mm-hmm. patronize me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, let me get on out of this place real quick and in a hurry because that that's not the game we're going to play. Um, I was about we, to ask you to pull that comment. Oh, yeah. When you play the game in corporate America, you've got to be sure the prize you win is the one you want, not the one they think you deserve. That's a fact because they'll sit there and say, oh, you applied for this position? Uh, this position may be more to your like, no, I applied for this. Oh, no, I definitely have blinders on, Stephanie, when I go for stuff at work. Either I want it or I don't. You're not going to tell me what I want. Like, mm-hmm. in, in reality, I'm I'm very forward. In my personal, I'm probably more vulnerable. But when I'm out on a job, oh, it's too, it's, it's night and day. Like, I'm a whole other person. My father definitely, <laughs> he built me for this. So <laughs> with that, it's like when I go in and I, I look for an opportunity, I am hunting for the opportunity. I'm not letting the opportunity find me. I'm going to get said opportunity. So with that, um, you are 100% right, Stephanie. If somebody is not, like I said, I've gotten good at playing their game. If somebody's not good at playing their game, and by them, I mean they, as in non-melanated people, um, their game, um, if they're not you know, aware of the dynamics of things or hasn't spent their time researching or learning more about the company they're working for, then they won't. They'll, they'll walk right into the trap and they'll take exactly what, you know, the dollar 50 cent raise that they're willing to hand to them and think they just changed the world. When in reality, that position you wanted or the one that you wanted to go for is, is definitely worth far more than what they're willing to offer you. Say no sometimes. Be willing to say no when they make an offer. And that's, um, that's my advice to the person um, who will fall into that situation. Be, oh, yeah. be, be, a, be bold enough to say no sometimes. Without a doubt, without a doubt. Todd said, Susie is not emotional. She's considered a victim or a damsel that must be professionally rescued by management with a promotion, special treatment, undeserved compensation. So, yeah, I think he's probably typing the rest of his response. Um, yeah. So, yes, I may be emotional. That's the rest of it. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yes, I may be emotional. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then Stephanie brings up a point saying you can handle more is the same as when how in the medical field they don't give us the proper medical treatment because they think we have a higher tolerance for pain. Oh, the time is running out. Stephanie, don't get me hype. I'm starting <laughs> to girl. Stephanie, yeah. like, oh, Stephanie. Let, me, let me say this. And this is why whether you're in corporate America or not, wherever you work at, it's important to create your nest egg and take care of yourself because granted you could be in corporate America having a grand old time getting every position you want, every raise you want. Soon as that company go belly up or need to make some cuts, you probably are on the beginning of the chopping block. So with that, with that corporate America and with that thing with your health, it's important that you know how to take care of you 
at the end of the day. Like, make sure you save and make sure you invest in because at any given moment, like, make sure you got six to 12 months of savings saved, of your expenses saved up because at any moment, any of these things could become not a factor anymore. She done came at the last, last part of the show dropping facts. That's actually good information. Um, we're going to go through one more topic. We're going to take a little bit more time just to go through our last topic um, to touch on that. But I definitely appreciate the um, talk regarding corporate America. But we're going to go into one real quick hot topic that's been during the pandemic and everything, love and relationships. So I have, I heard a mm over there. So someone probably he's already- coming, He's coming down our alley now for real now. So we're going to talk about love and relationships. Of course, both of you lovely ladies are married. Um, yes. But even being married, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys can refer back to when y'all was dating and seeing how things are going now when it comes to love and relationships in the black community where are we failing when it comes to love showing love and building relationships when it comes to dating everywhere give Friend, us, did give you want to did you want to chime first before i unpack no i want you to do this one i've been, <laughs> I've been having i've been having her kick, kick off each one let's have you do this one oh okay I was waiting for a direct question. That's why I got I'm like, hmm, that, that was loaded. Go ahead, friend. Yeah, where they're going wrong. Um, so <laughs> the first thing that came to mind when you said where are people going wrong since COVID and dating and things like that, the first thing for me was when people felt like I need to have a COVID buddy. And oh, that's all I'm going to say is new. a COVID buddy so that, you know, this is the person I know their status you know, I know their status. They've been tested. They they social distance. They do all of this, that, and the third. And this is the person, you know what I'm saying, that I'm going to be friends with, for lack of better words, during this pandemic. So I don't catch this horrible, horrible, horrible virus, right? And so that's issue number one. You're looking for your friend that you're going to be chilling with during this pandemic, you know, so that you don't have to take part in the pandemonium. Do you think he is your only friend? You know, are you, I mean, do you think you're his only friend? That's number one. And then number two, um, you know, we did discuss in one of our episodes about Russian relationships and how people are making these decisions to just be, you know, like, I don't want to be alone. I don't want to be single. Um, you know, I lost so much family during the pandemic. I can't be by myself. I don't have anybody, you know, and they, they're, they're on that type of role or that type of tangent. And they're just kind of hopping, trying to have somebody to give them that sense of companionship, not necessarily relationship. Mm. That, that's a mouthful. That's a my COVID buddy. This is the first I've heard. They don't call them cutty buddies no more. It's a COVID buddy now. COVID buddy. So yeah, COVID buddy. <laughs> 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 let me put her on the spot. We can hear you. <laughs> now, now for Kia talk talking about love and relationships in the black community. Um, okay. So my mind went a couple places. The first thing that came to mind was we're selfish. We are severely selfish, like to a fault. Like it doesn't matter if I'm wrong. I want my way, regardless of your feelings at all. Like that's not expressing love. Now, backstory on me. I've been with my husband since I was 15. Okay. 
I will be 41 tomorrow. Happy birthday to me. But we we basically raised each other. So we we so tight, like we have a system. Like we even have a system of okay, you mad, all right, let me let you cool down. Okay, let's talk about it, and then it's over. But <laughs> I it never ceases to amaze me when I see other couples and how they are with each other. And I just be, I feel sad. I feel sad that people don't have what I have. Like, and it's a two way street. It wasn't like I was trying and he wasn't, or he was trying and I wasn't, we both care about the other person so much that we're willing to adjust what needs to be adjusted so that we can both be happy. If that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Like I gotta be right. Like yeah. I've seen where it's like I gotta be right no matter what. And, or like the whole um well um you don't love me because you didn't rub my feet. Why well, rub your feet because you ain't rub my back? Like where does the pettiness end? <laughs> Girl. Yes. Like y'all not hearing each other, rather you're just you're defending yourself from what's being told. Like communication is the biggest problem. And the biggest problem with communication is the listening half of it. Period. Like everybody know how to say what they feel and go get, get, let me get this off my chest. But are you listening to what's being said to you the other way and at least taking it into consideration? Like sometimes my husband and I have certain arguments or whatever, and it'll just be like, you're not going to change my mind on that. And we got to pause and we'll bring back later. But that that communication thing, true communication, not just telling somebody, you know, how you feel and not willing to listen to how they feel and take it into consideration. And whew, that that's a big topic because selfish is, is big, especially when you look at the way dating is done now. A lot of people are me, 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 me. And you got to figure out how you get yours. But if you don't give me what I want, then I'm about to cut you off because you done yeah. failed in the entire yeah. relationship. Yep. And That's why nobody's lasting. They're not lasting yeah. for that reason alone. Yeah. Like you go into the relationship with they got to, you know, I got to put me first. I got to put me first. You know that one? Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, sis. Yes, sis. Put yourself first. We get it. Put yourself first. But at the same time. You got to understand that if you want him to be with you or her or them or they to be with you, Mm -hmm. then you have to compromise someplace. Like it can't just always be about you. You can't always be first. Sometimes they don't get a turn. You know, it's going to be their go (laughs) to be first. So and I feel like everybody has that misconstrued. Putting yourself first does not mean putting the other person second. Right. Putting yourself first is that whole self-care we talked about. Like, take care of yourself, clear your mind, do the things you need to do so that you can, uh, uh, what's the word I'm going to say? So that you can arrive, so that you're here and you're present and you're not, it's not about tit for tat. That tit for tat stuff need to die. Yeah. Do you Do you think because we're now in a time where mental health, mental awareness, all this stuff is being pushed. Do you think people are misconstruing that? And when I say misconstruing that, we're telling people to focus on their mental health, to make sure that they're good. Do you think people are misconstruing that when it comes to their relationships 
And the minute they have a disagreement, you know what? I need to take a step back. I need to breathe for me because you're violating these set boundaries or whatever we've played in our head. Do you think that plays a part on it? Because let's be honest, when you go on social media, people are quick to say, if they're not doing what you're expecting from them, they're not the one you need to go. And now you expect in 24-7, it's just supposed to be about you, 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 you. I do believe that it plays a part, but I do believe people know what the hell they're doing, too. Mm -hmm. I don't think mm -hmm. they they using it. They're using it as the scapegoat. <laughs> like, well, I talked to my therapist. Say, I'd have had this with these students again, where these students want to tell me why what their therapist said. I don't care what your therapist said. If you don't get the black scrubs on and get your hair together and come to class looking like you about to be a professional, I know you about to leave. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, I do feel like it's, I feel like it's important and it's something that's needed, but people who are just have narciss narcissistic behaviors are going to use it as a an excuse to be a jerk. Facts. And from Stephanie's standpoint, people are getting poisoned by the false reality and mindless opinions shared on social media. They don't oh, know what they want or need. They're just repeating what they see or hear, which mm -hmm. is def definitely problematic because sometimes we have a bad habit, especially in the black community. We hear something working for somebody else. We're not even sure if it's going to work for us or not, but we decide we're going to do that too. And then you apply it to your relationship and it doesn't work because that wasn't meant for you. That was meant for that person. That was meant for that person. Yep. And then Todd said, we are lost in many relationships. We are petty betty, afraid to be vulnerable and afraid to or yeah, unable to communicate. Be considerate and commit, even if it's to even if it's to know the other person deeper, which is a valid point. Because the first thing people want to talk about is I need my person to know the innermost parts of me and my deepest, darkest secret. I can't even get to I can't even get to the shallow part of the of the uh, cave to your secrets because you're not even going to let me get that far in. Yeah. So that that's thank you you two for those those points. Those are very <laughs> very big points. Um, now, like I said, for those who are just tuning in. These lovely ladies are married. So hearing their perspective from the marriage side, I think is very important because we still have people that are looking for the proper examples, but they're looking in the wrong wrong places, to be honest, or they're listening to the wrong people. So um, final question, ladies, um, before I um, let you guys have the floor to explain how we can follow you and stuff. What, when it comes to being married, what are some of the tools that or outlets that you utilize that help keep the communication going in your relationship? Because it's easy to say to communicate, but sometimes when it's time to have those tough questions, it's hard to formulate it because you're not sure how the one or the other is going to react. Now, I know with Kia, she's been with her 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 person for a very long time. So she she's been in the game for a minute. So I know it took them some years to kind of get the ebbs and flows built in with each other. So I'll start off with Kia first. Um, what what resources or what tools or what people did you use that kind of helped you um, sharpen the communication and the areas in your relationship with your husband? So um, I, ha I, I don't know. I have a couple rules when it comes to disagreements. Mm -hmm. Like um, if we have to have a hard conversation, we never do it hungry. You ever realize how nasty your attitude is when you hungry? 
And then I'm going to come to you and say, you know, I don't feel like you've been affectionate enough. If my husband hungry, he's not trying to hear that. <laughs> what, you mean? what you mean I'm not affectionate? And it becomes this aggressive thing. So, like, I know for me, anytime I want to say something that might be a little hard, I make sure we're in a good mood before I bring it up. And he does the same thing. He think, I don't know, he does the same. He does the same thing. Like, we'll just be going. I'll be happy laughing, giggling, kiki. And then it'll be like, yeah, babe, by the way, such and such and such. And I'm like, really? <laughs> but because I'm in a good mood, it's more like, well, whatever, we'll deal with it later. Rather than if I'm already annoyed and then you're going to bring me some more stuff to be annoyed about. So, and another thing that we always did, well, pre-COVID, um, we always went to some form of a marriage retreat uh, event. Um, they have this event called um, Weekend to Remember, which is awesome for people married, thinking about getting married or single. Um, and we made sure we went to one a year because sometimes as much as we talk to each other, you need to hear it from outside sometimes, or you need to hear it from a biblical perspective from a pastor, or you need to hear it from uh, a older married couple. So a lot of times, like we, we bounce off of our dad and, um, you know, other elders that are married with us will be like, well, what do you think about such and such and such? Now, whether we take the advice or not, that's still something that we come together and decide upon. Mm -hmm. But just making time to focus on the relationship, the marriage is important, like purposefully saying we're going to this retreat or we're going to this event because it's for married people. Because if not, you just roommates until the kids leave and then you're living with a stranger. Okay. I, I like that. I like that. I like that. Um, let's see. I know there was a comment that we wanted to go over. Oh, there we go. Was this the comment you want to uh, review from Stephanie? Um, it was in the heat of the moment. I don't. I don't have to backtrack. <laughs> um, I can move forward to your point. That's fine. Um, that what she commented though could apply to relationships too. Yeah. Right. The but all I was going to say in regards to her comment where she said um, they're just repeating what they see or hear, right? Or they're just trying to do so much the opposite of what they saw. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's like your example. Mm -hmm. You grew up in a house with both your parents, but your parents screamed and hollered at each other all day. You know, um, or maybe you grew up in a house like mine where your parents did not argue in front of you. Just know it was for real. That wasn't a joke. My parents never argued in front of us. And I was just kind of like I was really timid in relationships up until the one with my husband. Funny story. Uh, I was really timid in relationships up until the one with my husband. So it, it's it was definitely me being awkwardly submissive where it wasn't deserved. So for what she's saying there, I'm just like, you know, either that or they try to stray so far away from what they saw that they end up getting these misconstrued concepts and confused ideologies as far as how a relationship will work. But um, to hmm. your question, the question that you ask, um, when it comes to me communicating with my husband um, for quite some time, it was I, if I the louder my voice is, the more you can hear me. 
Um, oh, no. <laughs> so the better you can hear me, if I raise my voice, you can hear me. I'm just saying. Like I said, I was very, very, very timid in previous relationships. I did not speak my piece. If it was bothering me, I let it rock. If it was something that wasn't the way that I knew it should be or I deserved it to be, I just kind of let it ride. I didn't say nothing. So when I got in a relationship with my husband, I was doing the same thing at the beginning of our relationship. But then I was like, low key, I really like this guy. Let me put some pressure on him, you know? And then next thing you know, that's all I would do to get his attention to start raising my voice and hollering. But that's, he don't hear that. Yeah. He don't hear me when I holler. So since he doesn't, and um, we recently just had a really good conversation. It's just, I have to learn how to speak a language he will comprehend and vice versa. So the one thing that I've been working on is realizing that in certain moments, like how Kia was like, she makes sure Jimmy full and Jimmy's happy. No, mm -hmm. it, it, I don't have to make sure he's happy and full, but at the same time, I have to make sure I have observed or taken a mental note of his current temperament. Okay. Because if he's not in a good mood, he'll hear me and in whatever emotional state he's in. But mm -hmm. the issue is, what? Am, how am I going to say the thing I need him to hear? So if I see he's having a rough time, I can't go in there and be like, babe, listen. You know, yeah. I have to go in there kind of like, babe, you all right? You know, how you doing? Maybe rub him on his back a little bit, kiss him on the forehead, show him a little love or compassion, and then be like, yeah, I, I ain't built like that. You know, I'd be like, let me tell you about what you just That's did. I didn't take this trash out two weeks in a row. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so I'll be like, let me get on you about how you haven't taken this trash out two weeks in a row. But I will do it from a loving place as opposed to before. I'll be like, come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, for real? As opposed <laughs> to that. So, and then same thing when he's in a really good mood. I still don't need to go and yell at him when I say it. But I can definitely be my normal, you know, hype with himself if he's in a happier mood so i know he'll hear me if his mood is good good he'll hear me no matter what i say but if he's having like a rough day maybe work sucked or something like that i have to understand and i that's the advice that i would give is you have to know what tone your other will receive like mm -hmm. he knows feeding him will get him happy and she can tell him what she need to tell him come from a happier place but for me i know it's all in my tone it's really the delivery for him and that's the thing that you would have to find in your relationship is understand that's why it's more important than just dating somebody or just being a, dating somebody or just be having a boyfriend or having a girlfriend it's not about just that it's about understanding and connecting and compatibility and relationship so that's going to be um a big part of it but yeah when it comes down to talking to him it's really just the tone I have to know what tone to use for what he'll listen to and what he wants that day. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Ladies, thank you for the feedback on these topics. Um, but before we go, for those who listen, you know how we do. Um, I allow our guests of the hour um, to give their information that we can follow them on social media and support um, what they're doing. I do know these lovely ladies have a podcast that happens every Monday. They'll give you that information. I was a guest on that earlier this year. It was an honor. Um, they have amazing content. So what I'm going to do, ladies, the floor is yours. Please um, let us know how we can support you um, and follow you and let us know about your current and future endeavors so that we're able to support you guys in those ways as well. Whoever would like to Marquita. <laughs> All right. Well, we do host a podcast called, oh, he put me in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wasting time.
young. You startled me. All right. So we host a um, podcast called The Melanin Mindset. And so what we aim to do is bridge the generational gap and prompt melanated people to think. So the handle you see down on the screen is Melanin Mindset underscore. And you can find us on Instagram as well as Twitter by Melanin Mindset underscore Facebook TikTok, yes, y'all, we on TikTok, <laughs> and um, YouTube, we can be found by the Melanin Mindset. So wherever you like to view us, tune in. Like you said, Mondays at eight thirty p.m. Eastern, five thirty p.m. Pacific. Um, yeah, that's about that. Yeah, um, I'm the Nappy Dreamer, and she is my buddy, my best friend in the entire world, Kia Blaine. Awesome, awesome ladies. Go ahead, Miss Kia. I don't have nothing to say. She said it all. That's her part. <laughs> Literally every episode. If you want to see the speed. She got a plug. Okay, I, okay. okay. So you want to make the dream work? Yeah. Ladies, once again, I do appreciate you guys being on here. For those that are listening to the replay, my name is Alan M. Newman Jr. I am your host for our Wednesday show of She Said What. I just want to remind you guys that you can tune in tomorrow as well at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Simply B and that B for their prod podcast. And then we do have P's Intuition every Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. On Mondays, we have um, Simply Sports with RG and One Mike. If you're a sports fanatic and want to talk about sports and the different thing that goes on, that is the show to tune into at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time every Monday. On Tuesday, we have our sister uh, show, The He Said What? show which is held by our lovely Bree, which gives you the black man's perspective on similar topics that we talk to and of course for those who've been following me every wednesday at 8 p.m eastern standard time is she said what it's always a dope conversation always look forward to have more people join us you can follow us on instagram as you see the handle on the bottom also tune in to the he said what relationship network where you can also follow all of our platforms for more information on YouTube and we are on Facebook. Once again, thank you for being a part of She Said What. Have an amazing, amazing Wednesday. Happy Hump Day. And I will see you next Wednesday. Have a wonderful day.